Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krupnik, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast yes. this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli It's caucus day. Excited? Huh? Are you excited? It's going to be cold in Iowa. Shocking. It's cold in Iowa in January. I know. I know. I figured with global warming, it'd be like 70, 75. But no, it's chilly. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Big show in store. Obviously, lots of thoughts about the Hawkeye tonight. What happens, not to the winner, because the winner's going to be Trump, but what happens to the uh, second and third place uh, contenders? That's really the question, right? I mean, we know Trump's going to win. It's it's obvious he's going to win. But what happens to number two and number three? And who's going to be? By the intelligentsia who handle these things, they, they're predicting that it'll be Nikki Haley will, be come, will come in second and Ron DeSantis will come in third. Now, depending on how close DeSantis is in that third place position will really depend upon the future of his campaign. And he's he was asked about this, you know, if you don't come in second, are, is your campaign over? He said no, because obviously what, what are you going to say? You have to say no. You can't say yes. Uh, and Haley is dead set on this becoming a two-person race between her and Donald Trump all the way to the convention. Like I told you on Friday, that's the strategy. The strategy is you stay in the race. You don't get out. You stay in the race in case something happens to Trump, uh, whether it's prison or alien abduction, whatever it is, you stay in the race. You don't go anywhere. But for DeSantis, the question is, how do I stay in the race and save a political future if this is just inevitable that Trump's going to be the nominee? And what do I what do I want here? What do I what do I want to achieve? And if he stays on as a way to buffer Nikki Haley, that doesn't work because if DeSantis gets out, I think his voters for the most part go to Trump. I don't see them going to Haley. I mean, sure, like some will. I mean, there's a certain element that will potentially. They just don't think Trump can win and they may back somebody else. But I don't think that 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 represents the bulk of his voters. I think the bulk of DeSantis' voters go to Trump. So if, 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 if he gets creamed in Iowa, if he comes in a very bad third place, the decision we'll have to make is, do I want to enable Nikki Haley? Because really, by staying in, that, that becomes the possibility, that by staying in the race, you undercut Trump and you enable Nikki Haley. This is the, this is the question he's got to grapple with. And then thinking about 2028, before we know it, I know it sounds crazy, but before we know it, we'll be talking about 2028. And we'll be, we'll be thinking about the Iowa caucus of 2028. That sounds insane, but if Trump wins, he's a one-term president. I, I know I know the, the left thinks that he's, you know, he's not going to, um, 
ever leave the White House, and he's he's gonna he's gonna he's never gonna give it up. He's gonna he's gonna die there, and um, and, and that, that's the end of it. But I, I think the the real question though is if if twenty twenty eight is an open primary, because either Joe Biden wins or Trump wins, how do you position yourself for twenty twenty eight? And it's not that far off to be thinking about that. And yeah, in terms of politics, it's a billion years away. It's a billion years away. So that that is that is the issue. And, and you know, I mean, between now and then, so many things can change. But whether it is Trump or whether it's Biden, one of them is going to leave the White House at the end of their term in 2029. Because the Constitution is very clear on this. No person shall be elected to the office of the president more than twice, period. So, you know, the, the argument that, well, what about the, the, the ambiguity of that? No person who has held the office of president or acted as president for more than two terms of a, of a term to which some other person was elected president shall be elected to the office of president more than once. And, you know, could, could, could the 22nd Amendment change? Could there be, could, could there be some sort of a, um, a, you know, an exception to it? All those things. Uh, no. No, the only the only way would be if Trump became somebody's vice president and then became president and served less than it, 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 the answer is no. Just basically no. I mean, the Twenty Second Amendment is pretty clear on this. So somebody's going to want it's going to be an open primary in twenty twenty eight. So if I'm Ron DeSantis right now, as I'm looking at coming in third place in Iowa, I'm thinking to myself, how do I save face with MAGA? That's it. That's all I'm thinking about. How do I save face with MAGA? How do I make MAGA like me? Because right now MAGA doesn't like me. The Making America Great Again movement, of which I'm a part of, doesn't like me because I've been challenging Trump. And it's at, at some point, I thought I was going to be able to beat the guy. I can't beat the guy. It's, he's not going to win. I'm not going to win. So what do, I, what do I do? And I think the only answer is you get out, you back Trump, and then you help defeat Nikki Haley. And you help Trump become the nominee, which is inevitability at this point. And then if something happens to Trump, if, some, if, if by some existential thing he cannot serve as president well either way you have you have elevated yourself to the point now where people can turn around and say all right he could be a good he's a good choice for 2028 he's on the short list now obviously whoever trump picks as his vp and if trump wins and that person does a good job as vp that person may be on the short left but that may be the inevitability it may be but 2028 we're all talking about president christy nome I don't think it's going to be Nikki Haley as his VP, and he's not going to pick Ron DeSantis. I mean, it's two guys from Florida. It's, there's a constitutional question about that as well. So uh, can you have two people from the same state? It's a, it's a question. I would, I would think the Constitution says no on that, but, but he's not going to do it anyway. It, it doesn't matter. He's not going to pick DeSantis. So, yeah, I mean, he could, whoever his number two is could wind up becoming the heir apparent. But there's also the, the idea that, you know, maybe Joe Biden wins. I mean, maybe Biden beats Trump because of massive cheating or whatever else. And then you still have an open primary in 2028. Regardless of that, these are the questions that Sanders has to think about. Now, from Haley's perspective, it's a no-brainer. You just stay in the race. You come in second in Iowa. You go on to come in second in New Hampshire. And you are just the second place. You're second everywhere. But you still rack up delegates. You still have a pathway to the convention. And you hope and the establishment hopes and the swamp hopes that something happens that means Trump cannot be the nominee. And then there you go. That's her strategy.
If you are anyone else, you're irrelevant at this point. So it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, it's 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 just it doesn't matter at this point. We're we're talking about three people at this at this moment, as we are four hours, forty nine minutes, and forty two seconds away from the Iowa caucus beginning. And for Trump, it's um, it's going to be the kind of thing too where the cold weather helps him because his people are very obviously the steadfast supporters. They're coming out no matter what. There, it, it doesn't matter how cold it is. It doesn't matter if it's snowy or icy. It doesn't matter if the French Toast Industrial Complex is right about the Iowa weather. And I don't know if they're going to be right about our weather tomorrow. I have no idea. I keep hearing all kinds of different reports. And Bridget went to Costco earlier. She said it was a mob scene. It's also a holiday today. A lot of schools are closed. Most schools are closed, I think. My kids have off today. Uh, so there's also that element, too. And some people just took off work, whatever, or they're working remotely, whatever it is. But the, the point is that I don't know if our French Toast Industrial Complex is going to be right about us getting snow tomorrow. But I do know it's going to be freaking cold in Iowa. And I think that only helps Trump. I do. I think it, it helps him. Because if you're motivated to, to come out and vote for somebody as passionately as his supporters are, you're coming out regardless. If you are motivated to stop that person... As passionate as the anti-Trump people are, you are also turning out. However, I don't think that it's the same. I, I don't think if you're a Republican, it's the same. If you're a Democrat coming out to stop Trump, well, then hell yeah, you're, you're going to step over glass to do that. If you're a Republican who doesn't like Trump or thinks it doesn't think Trump can win, you're, you're supporting somebody else. Are you as passionate about coming out in the cold weather in Iowa to stop Trump knowing he has a massive lead and he's probably going to win anyway? I doubt it. You're probably going to stay home tonight. You're probably not going to caucus with your friends. But who knows? I mean, all this stuff is we're all we're all talking about stuff that we can't really truly predict other than the fact that I can predict with certainty he'll win the Iowa caucus and he'll win New Hampshire. It's funny, too, because as you listen to all these prognosticators, they're all saying the same thing regarding DeSantis, which is really Iowa's make or break for you, just based on the polls that you look at in New Hampshire. I mean, the real clear politics average of polling for that state, for New Hampshire, for Ron DeSantis, doesn't look good. And again, I know if you're a DeSantis supporter, this may make you angry, and it shouldn't. I have nothing to do with it. I've, I, I have no part to play in Iowa polling or New Hampshire polling. I'm not on the radio in those places. I have listeners in those places, but I'm not you know, a local New Hampshire radio host. I haven't, I haven't done anything to influence anything up there. But just looking at the numbers for the latest polls for Monday, Trump's up 33 in Iowa. He's up 55% in California, the California Republican presidential primary. And Nikki Haley's at eight. So again, if your theory is, well, once we get to the moderate states, the moderate Republican states like California, well, that's where Haley can surge. She's at freaking eight points. I mean, even and Christie's at two. So even if she gets Christie's two points, okay, great. She's at 10. DeSantis is at 11. He's got a 55 point lead in the California Republican primary. So you can't even make the argument, well, once we get past those wacky conservative states and we move into more moderate places like California, then Trump can be stopped. Uh, Not so much. It just doesn't look good. It really doesn't look good. And then when you look at the numbers in terms of other places like New Hampshire, where it it truly, I mean, it really is make or break for for some of these candidates. Uh, Trump's up 14. Haley's at 41. uh, Trump's at 45. Haley's at 31. And DeSantis is at six. Haley's going to be helped by Democrats coming out to vote for her because it's an open primary and they have no primary. There's really not a Democrat primary going on. Joe Biden's not even on the ballot. So Democrats will help Nikki Haley. She will come in second. She may even come in a very close second. She may do very well. She may do very well in New Hampshire. But that's also a problem for Ron DeSantis that he has to figure out. 
Because if he's polling at six in New Hampshire right now, that's not going to change if he comes in a bad third place in Iowa. You know what I mean? That gets worse. And he's got to factor that in as well. So if he was asking me, and he's not, but if he were asking me my opinion, my opinion would be, if you come in a bad third tonight, you got to get out tonight and you got to back Trump. It's what you got to do to save your political future. At this point, that's got to be job number one for you. you, you you're not going to be the nominee in 2020, 2024. You're not. So get, figure out 2028. Figure out 2028 and figure out how you can position yourself for that. And the, only, and the only pathway to that is through the guy who potentially is going to be in the White House. You don't want that guy not being on your side. Like, let's say, for example, Trump picks somebody to be his VP who turned, I mean, Mike Pence was not the heir apparent. Obviously, if Trump were not running right now, Mike Pence would not be the nominee. He still would not be the nominee. DeSantis would be the nominee. If Donald Trump decided he wasn't going to run, Mike Pence would not be the nominee. And yes, January 6th probably has a lot to do with that, but that's the point. There are always external factors that play into these things that you can't control, you can't predict, that change the direction of everything. So for the first two years of a Trump presidency, whoever his VP is, that person may, you may think to yourself, oh, I'm definitely backing this person. It'll be, it'll be great. By the time the term ends, you may have a much different opinion point is if you're the florida governor and you're not going to be in you're you're not going to be able to um have a chance if the guy in the white house who's the republican president hates your guts because you stayed in the race too long and for what reason you know what for what purpose really so i think it's an easy it's an easy it's, it's an easy choice for him i really do i think it's an easy choice for him you just decide that you're going to think about the future but for nikki haley though um, the establishment forces that at one point were behind DeSantis are behind her. They have a lot of money. And as long as the checks cash, you don't have to worry. The consultants will get paid and the TV and radio companies will get paid. As long as those checks cash, you can stay in the race as long as you want. You could stay in the race to the convention. Hell, you could stay in the race after the convention. Just not be the Republican nominee, but you could stay in the race. You don't have to go anywhere. You could, you could stay in till your heart's content. As long as the checks cash, most candidates don't have that luxury. You know, most candidates run out of money. But Nikki Haley's in a unique position because the Republican establishment so badly wants to stop Trump that there there will be no shortage of money. And the consultants who are on her team, they have no reason to go anywhere else. First of all, where do they go? Trump's team? No, they're not having Nikki Haley consultants on their team. Some of DeSantis's people will join Trump's team. Some of them are from Trump's world anyway. They'll go back there. But DeSant- but Nikki Haley's consultants want a job. So they're all going to tell her, hey, listen, you can still win this thing. Here's your pathway. Here's how you do this. They'll convince her like they tried to convince Ted Cruz in 2016 that the pathway is through the convention. And as long as their checks cash, and they will, they'll be fine. They'll stay in. So that's the strategy. That's how this race is going to unfold. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? I haven't been wrong that often in these things, but I've been wrong occasionally. But I, I see that playing out. The establishment of the Republican Party and the Democrat Party so badly want to stop Trump. And, and whatever it takes, whatever it takes, they will do whatever it takes. And if that means just writing big, big checks, they have lots of money. The Koch brothers have a lot of money. They're not going to run out of it. And the uh, defense industrial complex has a lot of money and all these other entities do. So it's dollar bills, y'all. Dollar, dollar bills. And as long as those dollar bills cash, everybody's happy.
Everybody's happy. The other thing to keep in mind about the Iowa caucus, and think about this now, too, the other thing to think about with regards to the Republican primary nomination as all this is unfolding is there comes a point where even if you're staying in to help Trump, you reach a point where you start to tick the guy off. Uh, And Vivek Ramaswamy is a good example of that. Over the weekend, Trump tweeted out about Vivek Ramaswamy, who I believed was just staying in the race to try to help Trump. Um, But, you know, he got caught in a couple hot mic incidents saying mean things about Trump or saying why he'd be better, whatever. There becomes a point of diminishing returns. And you just got to turn around at that point and say, all right, you know, the jig is up here and i'm I'm better being a surrogate because you can be you can be a campaign surrogate travel across the country and give speeches and go on tv on the candidate's behalf and earn lots of favor and earn a cushy cabinet job but then there's the chris christie thing right i still can't believe that hot mic moment i still can't believe it it's still one of those things where all weekend i was thinking about this all weekend i kept thinking to myself how did this happen how did chris christie get caught trashing nikki haley right before he got out of the race which is why his 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 presence now is it's it's like nobody even talks about him anymore. It's become so irrelevant. You don't want that to happen to you. You know, in politics, everybody has a shelf life in politics. They always do. So you got to be careful about that. You got to watch that. And the, and 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 the passion factor is an is an inevitability tonight in the Iowa caucus. No matter how cold it is, no matter how much snow, if there's ice, if people go to somebody's house to caucus and there's bad pound cake, whatever. For Trump's people. You know what I mean? They're they're coming out. So now the only question is, how does DeSantis finish? What, how of a third place does he come in? He comes in third, but how third? There's a big difference between a close third and a really not close third. You know what I mean? It's like Nikki Haley's not going to be a close second in Iowa, but she doesn't have to be. She has to be a close second in New Hampshire, uh, but and she will be, but not in Iowa. It, 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 Trump is just such a lead, it doesn't matter. But the question is, if you're DeSantis and you think Haley's going to come in second, now maybe he would shock everybody and come in second in Iowa, it's possible, but I don't think so. How close are you as third to her second? How close is that differential? That's the other question you got to ask. Uh, close to home, Philadelphia's Mayor Sherelle Parker asking President Joe Biden for help. Mayor, I wouldn't waste your breath. This guy's useless. And obviously, as you can tell from Democrat mayors across the country asking for his help to deal with the border situation, he's not interested in helping you. So don't even bother wasting your time, Madam Mayor. It's not worth it. And the other point, too, is will the end of the administrative state finally happen? There are two cases the United States Supreme Court is going to hear on Wednesday regarding the Chevron deference doctrine. I've spoken to you about this many times over the years. That is the doctrine that enables these faceless, nameless, unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats to promulgate rules and regulations. In other words, it gives the executive the power to create law, which the Constitution specifically says is left for the legislature. Will the United States Supreme Court overturn Chevron? And if they do, will that really be the beginning of the end of the administrative state, especially if a Republican becomes president and that president follows the Vision 2025 project that has been laid out by the Heritage Foundation and other conservative groups as well that say we will reign in the executive branch, return the power to the elected accountable president as per the Constitution, a president who's elected and accountable to the people and or Congress vis-a-vis the impeachment clause and the power of the purse. 
or we will or will we continue to allow bureaucrats to run amok creating regulations like they're literally doing today as the Biden administration launches another war, this time on methane gas? That's right. Cow toots. Cow toots. The EPA finalizing a rule that will go after companies big time for methane. The very thing that cows toot. And we say toot. My house, my children know you don't use the F word. You say toot. So that's okay. So cows toot, but also methane is created as well. And uh, my favorite is reading the Washington Post when they wrote Biden's signature climate act, the inflation reduction agreement. <laughs> I love that, too. It's like, the, you know, saying the quiet part out loud. We all knew when they passed the Inflation Reduction Act that it was a BS thing that was just about the environment. Well, sure enough, they're actually saying that quiet part out loud now. Uh, but within there, the EPA now says we get the power to make rules and we're going to punish companies because of methane. So we'll talk about that as well. 855-839-1210. Your predictions. What do you think is going to happen in Iowa? Who do you see coming in first, second, third? Give me your thoughts. You can also tweet away on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We're coming right back. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. We got a a big game tonight as well. So we'll talk about that. Clearly. Uh, 855-839-1210. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. Uh, it's funny, too. As I love Johnny. Johnny Cook on Twitter is one of my favorites, obviously. And he always, whenever I'm talking about something, he thinks it's just a distraction about, you know, some deeper agenda. Like he says, while the Republicans are distracted by trivia, the Dems are going state by state with this scheme. Georgia seems to have stopped it, but they probably already have enough success to switch the House. It is the uh, redistricting of congressional seats. Which I told you the other day, Democrats are now saying the quiet part out loud regarding illegal immigrants, how they can use them for apportionment of their districts. But nevertheless, the big story of the day today is the Iowa caucus, and it is brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Go see him for that beautiful, perfect smile that you deserve, VenariaDental.com. Uh, you know, I, look, I, I'm, I love this stuff. This is, my, this is my Super Bowl. This is my football. Yeah, I'm not the biggest sports guy. You may know that. I do, and I'll be watching the Eagles game tonight. Me and Patrick will be watching it. He's fired up. But... This is my football. This is my sports. I love politics. I love I love these these contests. I really do, and I find them to be fascinating. But I, I don't think there's just going to be much of a surprise in Iowa, at least as far as the number one spot. It's just the number two spot or the number three slot. But actually what the government is doing today, which I think is very dangerous, and you should definitely know this, is that the government right now, the Biden administration, is proposing new penalties on methane, which will drive up the prices of everything. And they are doing this quietly again. They're doing this quietly Because under the Chevron deference agreement, these bureaucrats just decide to create rules and regulations that carry fines and carry jail time even. And then there's not a damn thing we can do about it unless the Supreme Court overturns Chevron, which they may do after hearing two cases regarding fishing boats, herring fishing boats to be specific, and the fact that the government mandates herring fishing boat monitors on those boats and use gotta pay for it, as in the operators of the herring boats. 
So you got to hire some idiot nephew of some powerful congressman to be a herring fishing boat monitor at a price of about 725 bucks a day, which may be more than you're actually making by fishing for herring. So I'll talk to you about that as well, because I do not want to let that go. And um, if you were paying attention over the weekend, you, you might have noticed, although not a lot of people did, because it's the weekend, we kind of check out on things. Or maybe you were watching Jimmy Fallon's show Saturday night, his premiere, which was great. But maybe you, you weren't paying close attention to what the WEF is doing with um, Disease X. They're planning for the next pandemic. The only question really is, when? <laughs> when does the next pandemic come out? Just when? I'll tell you about that. And um, Stu Mikofsky wrote a great piece over the weekend. Philly has a law and order mayor. Good. Let's hope that that lasts. And let's hope that the mayor is able to do what she's able to do because the district attorney, Larry Krasner, is suing over the fact that they tried to strip away some of his powers. So Trump is now turned on Vivek Ramaswamy. Let, let me tell you a little bit about what happened over the weekend. That was that was a big shock over the weekend when all of a sudden Trump tweeted out something or X, no, truth social is what he uses, truth socialed out something regarding Vivek Ramaswamy and said that he's supporting his um, his MAGA is uh, it's just a, a ruse, a fugazi, really. It's a it's a fugazi is what the president said, the former president said. He said Vivek started his campaign as a great supporter, the best president in generations, etc. Unfortunately, now all he does is disguise his support in the form of deceitful campaign tricks. Very sly, but a vote for Vivek is a vote for the other side. Don't get duped by this. Vote for Trump. Don't waste your vote. Vivek is not MAGA. The Biden indictments against his political opponent will never be allowed in this country. They are already beginning to fail. MAGA is how he concluded it. I think that, um, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy told allies he's running to sabotage Ron DeSantis. There's a story from Mediate about this. He said he's running to basically sabotage DeSantis in this. And... I'm not surprised by that. I think he's also running, obviously, to go after Nikki Haley. And he said a lot of, you know, he's taking a lot of shots at Nikki Haley. But there is a point of diminishing returns where, this like I said earlier, where you got to wonder, if you stay in this race too long, does that become a problem for you? And then, then do you just realize that maybe it's just better to become a surrogate at this point? You know what I mean? Because the lead that Trump has in Iowa is huge. Even MSNBC's Steve Kornacki in his khakis was blown away by this blown away by how big Trump's lead in Iowa really is. And even the weather manipulation is not going to change that. I'm just kidding. I don't think the weather's being manipulated. I think it's just it's just cold in Iowa. It's just Iowa in winter. I've been there many times. It's freezing cold in January because it's freaking Iowa. That's why. You don't need a weather machine to manipulate it. It's Iowa. We used to go there. I went there. I remember being there in the early aughts, as they say, like the mid-twos. Going to the the shed, the machine shed. It's this very famous place in Iowa you go if you're on the um, campaign trail. Anyway, it was cold because it's Iowa in January. Anyway, here's NBC's Steve Kornacki talking about Trump's polls, the record that he's looking to break now, potentially tonight in the Iowa caucus. Cut number one. Put this Trump lead in some perspective here. First of all, the 48 percent that he's registering here, that is the highest share for a Republican candidate in a final Des Moines register poll 
ever. That surpasses the record of 43 percent from George W. Bush on the eve of the 2000 caucuses. Bush won those caucuses. Also, the margin, Trump 48, Haley 20. That's a 28 point margin. That is also the biggest margin in a final register poll, also breaking a record of George W. Bush of 23 points when he won the caucuses in 2000. So that Trump lead, we haven't seen that before, but we've been seeing a lot in the polling this year. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a big lead. It's going to be a big lead. So yeah. Now, no labels is all behind Nikki Haley. So no labels. If you want to think about them, that's the that's the group of Republicans who likes being purple. No labels, as they call them, and they hate Trump. They always have. They're the establishment people. I don't like them, and the reason why I don't like them is because it's silly to think. That there's no labels. If you watch Democrats in action, what do you notice? You notice that, well, they're crazy, but you also notice that they're always, always aligned together no matter what. It's very rare to have a Democrat break from the Democrat Party on something in Congress. No labels always likes to uh, applaud Republicans who are brave and break with their own party and act like Democrats. Larry Hogan was the governor of Maryland. This is a great example. They were going to do a liquid natural gas export station in Maryland on the Chesapeake Bay, which would have been fantastic for the state of Maryland and for American energy independence. And he killed it. He killed it very quietly, but he killed it nonetheless. Hogan, like Christie, like others, represents that part of the Republican Party that believes that if you're a different kind of Republican, they'll like you. And the reason why they they have this mentality is because – and there have been – Radio hosts in talk radio who have also believed this too. They, uh, and here's what happens they go to parties in the main line and they're drinking Chablis. And, you know, you have these people that come over and be like, I like this Republican. And inevitably, the Republican they pick is somebody who's a squish, you know, not a real conservative. And they always say, I wish that the Republican Party would back that person. So they hear these things and they think to themselves, oh, that's our pathway to victory. We just we just get like a Larry Hogan or a Chris Christie or somebody like that to be the nominee. But then what happens? What happens is they become the nominee and then the Democrats trash the hell out of them and make sure that that person is painted as the devil because they do this every time. They did it to McCain. They did it to Romney. It's not like if you if you nominate one of these no label characters that the Democrat Party is going to turn around and go, oh, well, then we'll back you now. Please stop it. But it's a fantasy. It's a myth. I even remember in the show, The West Wing, after Aaron Sorkin left, it got bad. But there was a um, there was a thing. And I think it was the fourth or fifth season. I forget the show had kind of gone off the rails by then. Aaron Sorkin was very talented, but he was doing mushrooms, which is probably why he was so talented. And I think he got busted with mushrooms, magic mushrooms, not portobellas or porcinis. Maybe he had those too. I don't know. But he got busted for the magic kind. And so he wound up leaving the show and it went downhill. But there was a season where Alan Alda played the Republican candidate for president. And of course, because it's NBC and it's Hollywood and it's he was kind of like a John McCain type, no labels Republican, you know, the good kind, the good kind, not the wacky conservative kind, the good kind. And it's a myth that that you as a party would back somebody like this and then that party would wind up uh, being palatable to Democrats. Now, they may be palatable to Democrats in the main line because they have a lot of money. And for them, they're really Democrats because they think it's trendy and fashionable. Uh, And also because they have a kid with purple hair or something. But 
but it, it doesn't matter on the national level. The Democrats are always going to circle the wagons. They always will. And they, they, they do this in Congress, too. Whenever Republicans break from the party, they learn the hard lesson. I, and I'll give you an, a, another good example is uh, very, very recently, Congresswoman from South Carolina who was going on about how she was the only vote, the only vote to censure or I should say to um, hold her Republican colleagues accountable for the fact that they did not appear before Congress with a uh, congressional subpoena. And she was going on and on, bragging on and on about that, and she was so happy to be the only Republican who did it. It doesn't matter to Democrats. It doesn't matter to Democrats. They don't turn around and say, just because we applaud you for reaching across the aisle, that they're going to do the same, because they're not. You know, for better or for worse, we have a two-party system here. We do have labels. I don't love the two-party system. I don't, but there is no other system. And I've mentioned this before. You can have fantasies all day long about maybe a third-party candidate. The problem, though, is on the local level. Everything in politics, Tip O'Neill said it best when he said all politics is local. Nothing drives home that point more than the fact that at the local level in your town, your county, your precinct, whatever, the Democrats or Republicans who control it hand out jobs and favors. And, you know, if you're wondering how somebody got a job as a uh, taking tolls, you know, at, at, at one of the bridges or something. Yeah, because that, that person may be related to a powerful county commissioner or a powerful state senator or something like that. The, the two-party system is too entrenched on the local level for a third-party candidate to ever win because it's the local level that drives out turnout. So it's just a two-party system. It is the way it is. But the no-labels fantasy is that if we can just get behind a moderate Republican, whatever the hell that means, and I really don't know what it means. I honestly don't. I don't know what that means. But I think in their eyes what it means is a Republican who will actually vote like a Democrat and most importantly, more than anything, is on the right side of abortion. But most importantly nowadays, more than anything, even beyond that, is that they'll stand with Ukraine. Because if you're not standing with Ukraine, and by standing with Ukraine, I mean writing as much, writing checks for as much money as Ukraine needs, then you're not a good Republican. I think that's probably the modern day no labels definition of what that means. I don't know. I don't hang out with these people. I don't know. They think I'm crazy. They probably do. I, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they don't. I don't know. But they probably do. I think they just think conservatives and libertarians were just so pesky with our ideals and our principles, and we just don't like to you know, compromise on those ideals and principles. And they wonder why we can't. But then I tell them all the time, well, the left doesn't. They don't compromise on their principles ever. So why is it Republicans always have to give up on theirs in order to be liked, in order to be loved? And why do you care so much anyway if people like you? You shouldn't. It's not a thing in life. I teach my children about this. I'd rather do, I, I, it's better to do the right thing than the popular thing many times. But anyway, Here's No Labels uh, leader Larry Hogan, the former governor of Maryland, who sold out his state and the country by killing a liquid natural gas exporting facility in his state of Maryland. Cut number three. Well, I think it's pretty clear that Donald Trump is going to win uh, Iowa tomorrow, and um, there's not much hope of anybody overtaking him. I think uh, that's not a big surprise. I don't think it matters that much because, uh, you know, for the past 24 years, the winner of the Republican caucus in Iowa has not been the nominee. So it's really about the fight for 
for second place. And, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis has put all the marbles <laughs> on Iowa and spent all of his time and money and seems to be uh, going in the wrong direction. I think Nikki Haley's got all the momentum. And what this race is really all about is to try to nominate the strongest possible nominee for November. Uh, I'm convinced that the momentum is with Nikki Haley, that uh, she has the potential of moving into uh, a second place, although it be at a, a, a distant second place, which gives her momentum heading into uh, New Hampshire, where she's only seven points down. And uh, I think that, you know, that, that that's a real possibility. If she could potentially uh, get, come in second place in Iowa, move on to New Hampshire, it's possible she could win, which would put her in much better position when she moves into her home state of South Carolina. That is the no labels, a.k.a. Republican Party establishment. That is their battle plan, their game plan, as I have been telling you. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. By the way, a Republican probe finds 4,000 missing votes from the 2020 election, but they were votes taken from Biden. Now, of course, the mainstream corporate media is all over this because, aha, you see the votes were taken from Biden, but doesn't the point prove that elections, that election interference and stolen elections and that you can cheat? I mean, isn't that the point of everything? Anyway, I'll talk about that more as well. You want to lose weight? You want to look good why not you should it's healthy it's good for you but you don't want to take shots the rest of your life do you no you should not you don't want to take drugs and hormones you don't want to have surgery you don't want to eat those awful prepackaged foods what you need to do is do the all-natural way of nj diet njdiet.com you'll lose the weight for good it's contractually guaranteed 855-5 nj diet is the number 855-5 nj diet there are locations nearby you and they're very easy to work with or you can just go to njdiet.com before you know it it's going to be spring i know we're talking about the french toast industrial complex and winter weather on the way but before you know it it'll be spring 40 days from now as we're getting ready to spring ahead with the clocks get more sunlight you can be wearing a few sizes down guaranteed because that's how nj diet works you don't just lose water weight you burn fat and that's why it's so effective because they use your hair samples saliva samples dna to figure out a customized plan for you and then you keep the weight off so get started today before you know it 40 days goes by like that and you will look and feel your best guaranteed 855-5-NJ-DIET or njdiet.com thanks for listening to the seoli show podcast from talk radio 1210 wpht and the odyssey app my favorite thing over the weekend was dr anthony fauci asanto fauci Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor. You always have to say that by law. Dr. Anthony Fauci deserves to go to prison over dishonesty on COVID-19 origins, according to Senator Rand Paul. I'll share that with you um, in the four o'clock hour. But we got a big game tonight. So since Matt DeSanctu Traitorous is off again today, doing shocker. something elitist. I know, shocker, right? Probably flying first class just to write an essay. <laughs> Let me turn to Henry Machette, of course, our associate producer and uh, the guy who knows sports anyway on the show, regardless of whether DeSantis is here or not. <laughs> all right, first of all, give me your thoughts on the Bills versus the team they're playing. Okay, so the Bills are playing the Steelers right. uh, in Orchard Park. There's a, still a lot of snow up there. I mean, the fans entering the stadium, those are wild visuals of them just plowing over three feet of snow in their seats. So uh, I think that'll be a low-scoring game still. I think the wind's still whipping. I think... The Steelers will cover that 10-point spread just because the weather is so atrocious. But uh, the Bills are going to come out victorious in that one. They're paying people 50 bucks uh, an hour to shovel snow up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I Personally, 
snow shoveling is a big pet peeve for me. I hate doing it. It's like me too. The worst thing in the like. I'd rather chew broken glass. Like I, yeah. I, I despise it. Um, so I, you couldn't get me out there for fifty dollars, especially with how cold it is there. But I, kudos to the people that are there doing it shirtless. Like <laughs> you're crazy, but I, I love it. I respect it. Shirtless, but with with lots of paint on. Not not even paint. <laughs> I mean, they like, have like the, they're they're painting like Buffalo Bills fans. Not necessarily. No, some or Steelers just, fans. Some no? just some came, you know, bundled up and everything, and then they just went, you know what, tarps off. All right. <laughs> All right, so then we have another uh, football contest after that, uh, which features our own Philadelphia Eagles versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa, not Philadelphia. Correct. So they've got home court advantage, although it's not a court. I know that. But nevertheless, they have home field advantage. Uh, the, the spread, I believe, at this point is, 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 is Eagles with three, right? Yeah, yeah, they're laying uh, through at the Eagles. Uh, and I, I still don't see why. You still I, think the Eagles go down tonight? Uh, yeah, I've I've grown more optimistic, uh, you know, over the course of this week. Um, but there was basically, I, I want to say, like almost like a hit piece uh, produced by ESPN today, basically saying detailing the dysfunction behind closed doors and how you know Sirianni step on stepping on Brian Johnson's toes, but Jalen Hurts doesn't want to step on Brian Johnson's toes because you know Brian Johnson was. Uh, the quarterback for Jalen's dad's high school team back in the day, so they go you know a ways back. No one wants to like take accountability in the room for what's going on. So it seems like if uh, the Eagles come out and lay an egg tonight, it might be it for Nick. You know, the, when someone posts a piece like that, it's never really good for uh, right. morale. So I, I, it's hard for me to come out here and say that, like the Eagles are going to do any going to be any more than anything they've been in the last six seven weeks because it's it's hard to see why unless they've been completely you know lying to us like they've just been holding out on the playbook that and they're just going to come in tonight with all new plays all new schemes you know everything i i still think they lose it's a damn shame and there was a time when if you if you came on the radio and predicted the eagles would lose you'd have to lose your job but nowadays there are a lot of people feeling the same sense of angst as you yeah and that's a that's also a shame. It is feeling of that angst. It is because this team is you know a lot of them are getting up there in age. This is a lot maybe the last hurrah for a couple of players like Jason Kelsey or Brandon Graham or Fletcher Cox. I think Lane Johnson's still ready to go, but you n- you never know. And it's sad because they've just they've spiraled out of control. They have no answers within that locker room. As you know, as much as they want to come out and preach like you know we're together, we're together. That's great. That's fine. You can be as together as you want, but you don't have a cohesive game plan any any of these games. You're not prepared for any of these games. And the again, the I think the only way they can win tonight is if they have a big special teams play. So that means like a a kick return touchdown, a punt return, a punt block, you know, a blocked field goal, something of that nature to really turn the tide and give them an extra score because I do think this is still going to be a one-score game. I don't think, you know, the Bucks are the other worst team in the playoffs, you know, you could say. Um and that being said, they beat they only beat the worst team in the NFL last week, nine nothing. So it's not like they're lighting the world on fire either. Right. Uh and it's either that or their coach, Todd Bowles, he also commits coaching malpractice as big as the Eagles have been doing because he's a bit of a knucklehead when it comes to coaching decisions and schemes and stuff. I mean, all, all the Bucks really have to do is just keep sending the blitz, and it seems like the Eagles don't have an answer for that. But we'll see if they do. They, uh, we'll, we, 
I have no idea. I like to think that the Eagles will lose this game and there will be a low-scoring game, but man, I, I don't know. I think I think I think the Eagles can win. I do. I because I like the odds, and I think Vegas knows something that we don't. Maybe they but, do. Yeah. But the other thing too is I think that Dallas getting smoked yesterday by the mm-hmm. Packers is probably a good luck charm. And the memes today going around making fun of Dallas. Oh, uh, outstanding. I mean. I have had more people send me memes of Cowboys fans. There's one of, of two cops escorting a fan. Like, you know, it looks like they're escorting him out of the stadium. And it says that a fan is shocked and forced to watch in horror as police make him stay and watch the Dallas game. <laughs> make him watch the whole second half. Of yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, the, the Cowboys going down so badly yesterday could be a good luck charm for oh, us, Henry. I'm I, just I think so, too. And at the very least, we can take, you know, some solace away from that. If, even if the Eagles do go down, it's like, well... The Cowboys went down too in even worse fashion. I, I right. don't think the Eagles could burn out quite like the Cowboys just did again. And I, it's like I said, like Cow- Nick Foles has as many playoff wins as uh, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott combined. Right? They haven't been. A fa- they just haven't been a factor this century. And it's it's great watching them choke every single year. I hope it continues for years to come. Doesn't matter if you know they have like I remember last week when I was comparing Chris Christie to Mike McCarthy. Yes, that same exact thing happened. He just had his hot mic moment, Mike McCarthy. He just embarrassed himself on a national stage, just like Chris Christie. The parallels are right there. Hmm. They're both they're both you know bad when they you need them the most. They're terrible on the biggest stage. They fall flat. And they're both heavier set people. So, <laughs> and they're both heavier set people. Yeah. Well said. And they're all both right. going to be out of a job. And they're both going to be out. Well, that's the thing. Um, all right, we got a lot to chat about in the four o'clock hour coming up. Trump speaks about New Hampshire. He had a big, or Iowa, excuse me, he had a big rally there. What's his go-to? What is he hoping to achieve? We'll talk about that. A uh, lot to chat about. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.